Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne and before we get into all the grim stuff, thanks to everyone who got in touch after our chat with Alan Shearer last week. It was great to speak to him. And that raffle for the Alan Shearer Foundation raised almost £130,000. Absolutely incredible. You've missed the deadline uh, for tickets now, unfortunately, but if you did get involved, thanks a million and make sure you stay across Alan's social media channels for the results of the draw. But there's no avoiding it any longer. We're going to have to talk about Newcastle United. Alan! Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. The emergency destruct system is now Just a do not panic. Don't panic! Don't panic! Don't, don't panic! You're all right. Yeah, all hands to panic stations. Reaction to the defeated Old Trafford and three more points for Fulham as well. We're going to be tackling the Darlow versus Dubravka debate and catching up with Freddie Woodman and some happier thoughts looking back on the debut of a certain Colombian in the archive and the great NUFC pub quiz is back with your quiz master for the week, Mr. Christopher Waffles. How are we doing, Chris? Are you okay? I am all right, thank you. Yes, I am all right. I am, well, I'm panicking. I'm obviously panicking as we all are, but I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm not thinking about all of those thoughts that are going through my head, that dreaded R word. But apart from that, I am fine, thank you. Yes, how are you, Taylor? I'm not too bad, mate. I'm not bad at all. All the better for hearing your dulcet tones of a Tuesday. Lovely stuff. And of course, it wouldn't be pot on the tine without Mr. George Calkin. Mr. Calkin, how are you doing? I mean, it would be, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't. Well, I've been off before and it's still been called the Don't same thing. Don't start getting arsy, George. I'm not being how arsy. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm not all right, actually. Okay. So don't tell me that this podcast doesn't have a reach, that it doesn't have an effect, that what we say to each other doesn't have, um, you know, some kind of effect. Because after appearing last week on frigging Zoom with Alan Shearer, Michael Armstrong and Tom Toon Lowdown both said I look like Bill Gates. It's my new favourite lookalike, my new favourite. I mean, they've got a point, George. No, they haven't got a point because I've actually (laughs) shaved all my hair off since then, Taylor, which is why we're now doing this Zoom without me on the screen because I've got a complete bald napper. I've shaved, I have shaved all my hair off, so I've gone from looking like a young Bill Gates to a latter-day Jeff Bezos. I wish I had as much money as him. Oh, dear me. You're keeping it in the tech community anyway, George. That's good stuff. But yeah, so yeah, you've got a you've got a nice cold head now. You've, uh, yeah, you've got second time. On it. Second time I've done this now during during various lockdowns. I got reached the point, reached the point in the first one. Had to shave it all off, and I've done the same thing now. I've, the difference this time is that I've got like wispy bits on the back of my head. I've got like a so, you know, you need to sort of fade it in, don't you? And I've not done that. I've just got wispy yeah. bits on the back of my head. I've 
slightly. I've started time. going a bit late Elvis now with my hair. It's kind of started to get away from me slightly. You know, not sexy, not sexy young rock and roll Elvis. It's late. It's well, <laughs> it's late no, Vegas jumpsuit massive Elvis. That's where all, we are at the moment. All Elvis is sexy. <laughs> and I think the less said about Chris's haircuts in lockdown, the better. To be honest, there. Well, he's he's he said to me today that he's about he's on the verge of getting another one done, so he's in trouble. Oh, excellent. Is he going to the garden centre for this one again, is he? I am indeed. Yeah, Alice is very much looking forward to it, as you can imagine. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Oh, well, before we get on with things, lads, uh, have we got any uh, any articles coming out this week? Anything good to keep our eyes open for on The Athletic? Um, I don't know if you mean good in the sense of positive, because there's obviously very little positive no, to write Chris, about at the minute. No, Chris, but, um, I've written a piece after the game at the weekend about how... St- Steve Bruce is starting to sound very much like Steve McLaren, but not in a good way. And we will discuss that, I'm sure, a bit later on. And then at the moment, I'm working on a piece with uh, Tom Warville, our uh, analytics expert, to basically look at the big Carl Darlow, uh, Martin Dubravka debate. Who should be in goal? What the statistics say beyond the statistics? All the other reasons as to why maybe uh, Dubravka should come back. And so that should be on The Athletic in the next couple of days as well. We're going to get into that in a bit as well, aren't we? George, how about you? We've been up to anything this week? Been writing anything? Yes, I've done a piece, um, you know, possibly not uh, natural Newcastle territory, but um, with Luke 09, the Sunderland player. And oh. really the reason I've done it is because he has won the Northeast Football Writers Association Personality of the Year, which is Ooh. given in conjunction with the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation, of which I am a patron. And during lockdown one, Luke, um, he was staying in his uh, girlfriend's house down south and um, he recorded keep fit videos mainly to keep his uh, his lasses uh, little uh, brother entertained but then thought might be a nice idea to put them on YouTube and let other people sort of do them and in the process raised a load of money for brilliant for the NHS as well so it's actually quite a nice universal story he's a lovely lad very inquisitive very bright very articulate and very sort of upbeat which um it's not been easy to be uh, around Sunderland recently, but he's a yeah, a lovely fella who who did a who did a, a very nice thing, and hopefully at some point in the not too distant future, we'll be able to all get together like we did uh, last year, Taylor, and um, yeah, celebrate his achievement in person. That would be a nice nice thing to look forward to, wouldn't it? That would be wonderful, wonderful stuff indeed. And what a night that was, the Football Writers Awards last year. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we crack on, let me remind you, the Champions League continues this week. Of course, that's Champions definitely something League. for Newcastle Champions. fans to be interested in. Right. And there's no better time to sign up for The Athletic for all our unrivaled coverage. Uh, until February the 25th, we're offering new subscribers a half-price annual subscription. So that's less than £1 a week for an entire year. To redeem that limited time-only offer, go to theathletic.com forward slash newcastle pod that's theathletic.com forward slash newcastle pod and if you're enjoying the show please leave us a review right then chaps man united game squeaky bottom time isn't it it's all gone a bit pear-shaped and fulham appear to be clawing us in uh chris how are you feeling i mean i'm i'm not entirely uh convinced we're we're not knee deep in shit here are we I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. And I'm just going to keep on saying I'm fine until I make myself believe that I'm fine. Uh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Well, I mean, it, it was a, again, Sunday was a strange one because for, for large parts of the first half, in particular, Newcastle looked better than they have done, certainly for, for most part of, of, of the season. And, and they are clearly trying to push higher up the pitch. They are winning the ball high at the pitch and they caused Man United problems in that sense. I mean, Man United were very poor and I mm. thought David De Gea was there to really be capitalised on. He kept on passing the ball to Newcastle. But the reality was that they didn't really look like scoring that much. I know that Alan Sam Maximan eventually scored, but it, although Man United were so poor and Newcastle were pushing high up the pitch and, and playing relatively well, they just lack that sort of goal threat. And in the end, they succumbed to, to what felt like an inevitable defeat before the game. And if you just looked mm. at the start of the season, if you'd looked at Man United away in February and thought if Newcastle go there and lose 3-1, well, that's to be expected. The play okay, that's all right. But the context of where Newcastle are, the position they've got themselves in by failing to beat the likes of Crystal Palace and Leeds United at home, they can't write off any game. And so this was really concerning given all that had come before, given Fulham's uh, victory the night before to close the gap to three points. And really, the momentum is all with Fulham at the moment. And this week feels absolutely pivotal in terms of Newcastle trying to wrestle some of that back. 
It certainly does, yes. And I mean, Newcastle clearly, George, playing a lot higher up the field and getting stuck in a little bit more and getting in the faces of Man United and putting some pressure on them. But then, you know, the result, the performance is better, but the result just doesn't go our way. It's not looking great, is it? Yeah, I mean, I've been in a mild state of panic since 2008, so I'm not sure if I feel <laughs> more panicky now or less panicky. I think just just, just generally sort of, yeah, just, just that sort of constant tremor that stays with you when you follow Newcastle. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's the worry. I mean, the worry is that Newcastle are, are probably, arguably playing better than any time during Steve Bruce's yeah. tenure, but not getting results. Or, to put that a different way, even though they've got, they've got a couple of wins in their last five games, it hasn't made a difference in terms of league position because other teams have won, have won as well. So it is a concern. It's a concern that... They played, I thought, really well in the first half, and I, you know, enjoyed it and all those things that you said, Taylor, that you know they were doing. But then it dropped off very badly. They looked really tired in the second half, didn't they? And yeah. um, sort of didn't have answers to going a goal behind. Now that is a problem because they haven't, you know, they haven't got the striker. And I don't want to. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of this constant sort of moaning. But how, how often have we talked about? You know, just not having that that backup to to Callum Wilson and yeah, uh, you know, so it puts puts the team back in the situation that they often found themselves last season, where um, there's no sort of cutting edge. That even when they get the ball into the box, there aren't players there, both you know, bursting to get onto the end of it. And at the other side of the other end of the pitch, and this is important as well, they've lost two players who have kind of been mainstays or were mainstays of this new formation in Cher and Mankio and they've both been a miss. Mankio in particular, I don't particularly want to single out Emil Kraft, but you know, it's a problem. He is a problem. It's been a problem that the lack of cover there and um so it's it is it's alarming. You know, it is alarming. And yeah, so on on the one hand, they're playing in a way that I mean, again, I don't understand why this system wasn't implemented earlier. There was no reason why not. Um, and it feels I like actually have an issue with the system now. Go on. I have I have an issue with it in that it, it, I think there was a surprise element to it to begin with, and it really certainly took Everton by surprise, and it worked with Callum Wilson in it. I think it's a real problem without him because it's not a natural centre-forward position, and he brought Joe Linton in, and he made a, Bruce made a big thing about when Joe Linton went off injured, then that's suddenly where the threat went. And although I thought Joe Linton around the pitch did reasonably well, he'd never looked like scoring. I know he had that shot from the edge of the box, but he wasn't actually getting into the box. It was more that sort of link-up play. They don't have someone getting into the box. So in an offensive sense, they are pushing higher and they are winning the ball higher up the pitch. But it's not like they're peppering the goal with really good opportunities. And then in a defensive sense... I don't think the answer to that is by dropping off because you're going to get even less people. No, but, it, but it's the system. It's not the way that they're... So now I just... but that. So I have no problem with them playing higher up the pitch. I want them to be higher up the pitch, but I don't think it has to be in the setup that they are in at the minute. I look at what, the way they were playing the other day, and in the end, Man United did exactly what Chelsea did, which was overload both fullback positions, and all the goals basically came from there. So as, as poor as Kraft was, I feel for him in the sense that he's got absolutely no support. He had no support at Chelsea. Yeah. There is no natural cover coming back. Sam Maxman doesn't really do it on the left anyway, but he's also playing essentially up front. There's no natural cover on the right. Midfield-wise, I think that Willick has almost been wasted to an extent in terms of he's getting the ball so little, and when he is getting it, where's he meant to go with it? So as positive as I thought this formation was a few weeks ago, I just think it needs to be tweaked, and particularly now that Callum Wilson isn't in it. I, I still don't understand why Dwight Gale didn't start the other day. I know he was poor at Chelsea, but you gave him an hour in a formation where he wasn't really playing in his own position. Then he didn't bring him on the other day. He's the only person who's going to score any goals, and if Newcastle are going to, Newcastle need to score goals to win games, and so I would be tweaking it to a sort of four two, three, one or something like that. I just don't, I think that for all of the positives we saw from the formation, I think other teams are starting to work it out. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a lack of mobility in that midfield as well. And you're talking about them getting around and and, and covering those fullbacks. And and I've, I've felt at times like, like you say, Kraft was massively overexposed and, and also Jamal Lewis for that second goal as well, just got sucked to the ball and there was a, a player wide open at the back post. And, and, and that, that system is doing well for getting us further up the pitch, but the quality of possession and the chances that it's creating just aren't there at the minute, George. And I mean, how are Newcastle going to score goals without Callum Wilson? What are we going to do? Well, yeah, it takes us back. 
absolutely takes us back to last last season, doesn't it? And you know that was one of the worst things about last season, and one of the most frustrating things is that Newcastle, you know, they didn't have a recognised striker until Gale came in towards the end of the season, and it and immediately made a difference. I mean, yes, I agree. I, I don't I don't disagree with you, Chris, in that sense. I mean, if you talk, I mean, the difference between a four three three and a four two three one. I mean, I think that's sort of major, uh, you know, minor 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 stuff really um but well, i don't think it i know I, I agree with you in terms of the approach but i don't think it is minus i don't think it is minus i'll go back to and we didn't really talk about it last week because i had alan Shearer on we didn't we didn't want to waste his time by talking about an awful chelsea defeat oh but, but you're we, happy to waste my time i'm happy to waste <laughs> your time. time i'm quite happy to cut you off but before i mean before george the, let's be honest our time isn't as valuable as alan Shearer's, is it before the chelsea game thomas tuckle came on the tv and he said he, he talked about the way that chelsea were going to play in that match and he actually spoke about the way newcastle were going to play he was humble enough, despite having a far better squad, to say Newcastle are playing with one number six at the moment. If we play with a number 10 in the middle, then he's just going to easily cope with that. So what we're going to do is we're essentially going to split the number 10s. We're going to go wide. He basically said before the game what they're going to do. Steve yeah. Bruce came on a few minutes later and said, oh, we've got this new approach. You're playing high up the pitch. We're going to continue with that. But the, there was no, he didn't at least communicate any nuance as to what was going to be different in this game, though, how they were going to expose Chelsea, what they were going to do differently. And it was the same on on, uh, on Sunday. I, I haven't got a problem with, with the approach of being more aggressive and getting high up the pitch. I fully support that. But I also think there has to be tactical nuance within that as to, right, this team plays in a slightly different way to someone else. Or oh, yeah, we've yeah, been yeah. worked out in this oh. sense. And I just I'm just seeing none of that. And, and to Dwight Gale is not, as Alan Shearer said last week, Dwight Gale is should be if you're gonna play Dwight Gale, play him through the middle in a four, two, three, one, or whatever it may be. Don't play him essentially as a, as a sort of semi-right winger. Yes, sorry, I that wasn't really the point, the point I'm making. Sorry, I wasn't trying to sort of suggest that. Um there aren't tactical nuances that involve what I, what I was trying to say was I don't think it's worth uh going back to three at the back for example um but i don't think anybody wants to see that no but i i I, yeah if you're looking for tactical nuances you're not looking at the right team i'm afraid and um (laughs) and the problem with tactical nuance is that when you start sort of trying to sort of do that with newcastle's squad team at the moment it does leave you with problems and i'm not trying to sort of build excuses but if you've got Kraft on one side and lewis on the other with the lack of you know as as you said St. Maximum isn't going to offer protection for Lewis, and Lewis was badly exposed. Kraft was badly exposed. I'm not sure how you cope with those flaws when those flaws run so deep. Again, it's the same with with the position up front. I want to see Gale in the team because he's a centre forward, and Newcastle need a centre forward, in my opinion. But at the same time, you also know that he's not the same type of centre forward as Callum Wilson and can do different things. And, you know, playing as a lone centre forward isn't necessarily going to play to his strength. So I just, you know, I think there are sort of issues and questions or issues, bollocks, all over the, um, <laughs> all over the, all over the pitch, right. particularly when they have injuries at the moment. And no, I, and I saw that the Tuchel interview and it was kind of, it was, um, it was it was very good and kind of very alarming at the same time because he did sort of basically say exactly what would happen. Yeah, it's it, watching that game though. There was a few moments when the ball would go into the box or into a dangerous area, and there just wouldn't be anybody there. And and what you're saying about Dwight Gale is is correct, George. He likes to get into those areas. He's a typical play between the post striker, isn't he? Yeah. Part of the issue why he wasn't brought on, or one of the reasons why he wasn't brought on that I read over the weekend was that. If we brought him on in that system, he'd be forced to play wider and not through the middle. And Steve Bruce kind of doesn't feel like it suits him, which is why uh, Ryan Fraser was brought on. I mean, that's another conversation we have to have completely about Ryan Fraser because I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, But the Dwight Gale thing, maybe he wasn't right for that or maybe Steve Bruce thought he wasn't right for that system they were playing at the time. But I completely agree. I think we need a striker on the pitch. The system had stopped working the other day, though. I mean, in terms of the first half, they were pressing high and winning the ball. But by the middle of the second half, Man United were in complete control. It wasn't as if if Newcastle were really getting forward and creating a lot of opportunities. Almiron absolutely ran himself into the ground, I thought. Yeah. And oh, it's God. difficult to... Poor lad. You can't uh, can't criticise... I really feel sorry for him. can't criticise him at all. I mean, he, he just gives absolutely everything. And, um, you know, by the time he came off, he just looked spent. But, which is, again, is the... Yeah, and I think this has always been a worry and a concern. And you can either... You can talk about this from a coaching side of it, if you want, but you can also talk about it in terms of options, is that Newcastle came back into the game on 
uh, on Saturday at, at Man U, which was in- incredibly encouraging. But you just don't have that sort of sense that they're going to be able to score a couple of goals. And so, what do they do next becomes a big problem because they're not they're not flush with options and you don't see okay well this hasn't worked so what we'll do is we'll try this I don't ever see that all I see is Newcastle fading and getting more and more ragged well what Newcastle do next is they go to Wolves on Saturday uh eight o'clock on Saturday night and it's a difficult game yeah sorry they well they go you do do details crystals details what a detail 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 head uh yeah Newcastle will be playing Wolves on Saturday at eight o'clock, and that's the next step in this uh, in this test and time for them. Let's hope it's a wonderful story get... of adventure and wonder. <laughs> that's what it is. A wonderful story. This of roadmap. Let's, oh, we've got, to, we've got to talk about roadmaps this week. It's this. It's the next step in this beautiful roadmap until the end of the season. The Steve Bruce roadmap to escaping relegation. Mm. Well, it's the accumulation of points. It's this beautiful. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful roadmap yes, well, to accumulating know how points. Table works. When we get to that magical total that we don't know what it is, that one. 33 Aren't point. We? Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, moving on. Let's have a look back at something a little bit more fun and a bit more entertaining. 25 years ago, uh, this very year, Faustino Aspria arrived in Newcastle, in a flurry of snow and a massive fur coat, he joined Newcastle United for £6.7 million from Palmer and had an instant impact. Faustino Aspria, who only arrived to join his teammates at their ancestral home hotel, having flown in from Italy this morning, gets a place on the substitutes bench. Colombian indeed, twisting and turning and giving Borough absolute nightmares after having not expected to play that day as well and drank half a bottle of red wine apparently before he went on the pitch. You just don't see that kind of behaviour these days, do you chaps? And I think the Premier League is a worse place for it. Chris, what a what an enigma that man was, Faustino Aspria. He is, he's just someone who just immediately brings a smile to your face. You can't help he but he, he just he just he is just a cheery sort of figure in, in Newcastle United history. And in some ways, I suppose he, he sums up the the sort of entertainer style in terms of he just it was it was Aspria went out on the pitch and did essentially what he wanted. That was and and quite often, <laughs> um, well certainly on that in that 
on that debut, the way that he just sent the defenders left, right, and center, and it just kept on almost Incredible. going back for more torture. It was it was it was amazing the way that he and it was it, he added something different to an already fantastic side, but just that extra bit of sparkle and, and and unique sort of ability to to just bring what he brought to the side. Incredible, isn't it, George? You know, you see something special when the player who scored the goal runs straight across to the person who's assisted <laughs> it and gives him a massive cuddle. You know that that's a bit of a, a bit of a special moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I should should probably kind of qualify that thing about drinking drinking red wine. I mean, the whole point about that isn't that he just necked a half bottle of wine in the dressing room before no. the game, but he wasn't expected to play. Wasn't expected he to wasn't play. going to be part of it at all, in fact. And so he was with the... Uh, he was in the team hotel and he was offered a glass of wine. He sort of said, okay, yeah. I mean, it was the sort of way they did it in Italy. I, mean, I remember him saying, you know, they weren't allowed to drink Coke or whatever like that, but you could have a sort of, you could have a yeah. watered down glass of wine. So he didn't really like wine at that point. Um, and so he, it was sort of like a watered down glass. But anyway, and and then, you know, we're talking about Newcastle not having plans or plan B or, you know, that feel <laughs> for coaching or management. You know, Keegan sort of said to him, okay, look, I, Tina, I just need you to sit on the needed to sit on the bench, but don't worry, you're not going to come on. <laughs> and then, sure enough, 67th minute, Keegan. you know, it's like he comes on and he has that sort of um, impact. I mean, he hadn't really played for Palmer a lot. I mean, he'd, he'd had a knee injury, I think, didn't he? Which sort yeah, of, that's right, yeah. Which either kind of caused haggling between the two teams or the neighbor. Anyway, and he came on and it was sort of that, that sort of instant, yeah, that incredible impact. And it cemented Newcastle's position at the top of the table at that point. And um, yeah, maybe, maybe it all turned out all right that season. Um, and it was, <laughs> yeah. but it was, it, you know, and the Riverside at that point was, was a proper fortress for Middlesbrough. They hadn't lost many games there. And, um, and I think it was Newcastle's first, first, first win there in the, in the top flight for a lot, for a long, long time. So, and they've, which is kind of ironic because they've had a great record there since then, but no, a great occasion and just, yeah, but that just spark of sort of difference and adding that sort of depth to, to, to Newcastle's story that season. I love that. Those pictures of him arriving in the fur coat, looking like oh, he's never, iconic, isn't it? looking like he's never seen snow before. <laughs> Incredible stuff, incredible stuff. And obviously Tino stayed for a few years and he had a, 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 let's call it a mixed career at Newcastle United. He was involved in some high points like the game against Barcelona, the hat-trick, but also he was restricted to a lot of substitute appearances and stuff like that. And often his best work came in the in the UEFA Cup when he uh, scored a goal against Mets and hoisted his shirt high on the, uh, on the corner flag, leading to a booking, which meant he was banned for the next game against Monaco. Uh, typical Tino stuff there. But absolutely wonderful to look back on and, and, and a great time and, and we've been speaking quite a bit recently especially having Alan Shearer on last week about, about this period in time in the club's history and it, it's just a different feeling altogether isn't it looking back at those moments Chris you just it just fills you with warmth doesn't it? It does fill your warmth and, and it when you mentioned the sort of player that, that Aspria was I mean he was a very much a sort of Kevin Keegan player, but then he very much wasn't really a Kenny Dalglish sort of player. And I think that's part of the reason why he became more restricted. But also, I mean, what Shearer was saying last week in terms of when he came in, he said he just didn't think it was going to work with all these players, these forward players out on the pitch. That's exact, That's almost what happened certainly once Keegan had left and then Aspria was sort of found himself behind for the first half season, at least Ferdinand and Shearer. And then there was all the other wonderful forwards that Newcastle had as well. And so... Yeah, I mean, if you look at his record, I mean, his record isn't isn't brilliant by any stretch. You look at it, and in, and in 48 league appearances, he only scored nine goals. But I don't think that quite does justice to what he did actually bring. And as you say, a lot of his best moments were in Europe and that fantastic... Uh, game against Barcelona and just seeing the you just see that when you when you my first vision of, of, of when I think of Aspria playing is just that leap and the jump and to meet those Keith Gillespie crosses just absolutely fantastic with those like spidery octopus legs of his as well and just that feeling of complete unpredictability not knowing what he would do and people don't remember that he was Newcastle's record signing when he arrived that was quite a statement that the club and Keegan made you know, in the middle of that season when they were top of the table and pushing on. I mean, you know, it's always that sort of idea of strengthening from a position of strength as opposed to sort of chasing something. And um, yeah, quite a statement. 
We're going to talk about the goalkeepers now. Martin Dubravka versus Carl Darlow is a debate that has been raging on social media and amongst Newcastle fans over the last few weeks. Is it time to drop Darlow and bring Dubravka back? Uh, what do we think, Chris? It's uh, it's an interesting one, this, isn't it? Is it time to give Darlow a rest? It is an interesting one. I mean, I don't think it's so much of a case of giving Darlow a rest. And what I want to say before we get any further is that Newcastle aren't in this position because of Carl Darlow. I'd actually say that they'd be in a worse position if it, if it wasn't for Carl Darlow. Yeah, I think I, I worked out earlier, I think there's at least six points which he's almost single-handedly responsible for this season. Certainly the point away at Spurs, uh, where he kept Newcastle in the game. Liverpool at home, he kept them in the game, a couple of draws. There was a win or two in there as well, where I just think he's been absolutely... Essential, and in terms of as a shot stopper, I don't think there can be many question marks. I know in the last few games, I know at Manchester United, you can argue that he was partly at fault for the first goal and he, sh- he should have done better there. And at Chelsea, yeah, he sort of flapped at one out, although I thought that one was slightly harsh. I don't think for the most part of this season, he's in any way been the reason why Newcastle are in the, the position that they're in, but equally, that isn't necessarily a reason to keep him in the team if you believe that. Martin Dubravka can bring other things. And what I think that Dubravka could bring that Darlow maybe doesn't have is that sort of leadership and the ability to command his defence. And it's something where in a team which doesn't no longer has Matt Ritchie in the side, so you don't have that vocal nature. Jamal Lascelles has been missing for long parts of this season. Federico Fernandez as well. There aren't, and even Callum Wilson, who's a strong voice, there aren't that many natural leaders out on the pitch at the moment. And I think that almost what Dubravka would bring in that sense. And as an organiser, I'm tipping to the balance of, I think Dubravka should come back into the team for those reasons. Not because I think Darlow deserves to be dropped, but I think Dubravka can bring extra elements beyond what Carl Darlow can as a shot stopper. Yeah, absolutely. George, what, what do we think on this? It's it's a tough one, isn't it? Because Carl Darlow doesn't really deserve to lose his place in the team, but... Uh... You know, Martin Dubravka is the number one goalkeeper at the club and, and has proven himself time and time again. Is it time to, to bring him back? I think it is, yeah. I think it is. And I think it, yeah, I mean, but saying, you know, saying that with all the same caveats that Chris added, I categorically don't think the Newcastle are 17th in the table because of um, because of Carl Darlow or, to you know, to put that a different way, the reason they're not, one of the big reasons they're not lower than that is, is Carl Darlow. He has saved the team points and he's he's performed really, really well. I think there have been a few little um, sort of chink in his, chinks in his performances in the past couple of weeks. Um, and I think probably Man United would be the excuse to, to sort of make a change. And I, again, I agree with Chris. I think if you're looking to sort of make a change in the team, where can you realistically make an impact? That is one area of the team that you can do that. And I suppose I go back to that, you know, the original reason for him signing and the reason that Benitez wanted another goalkeeper. It wasn't necessarily a reflection on the talent of the keepers he had his dispo- at his disposal then, but it was because he wanted something different and he wanted a sort of, um, you know, a figure who could sort of dominate a bit more and distribute the ball better and all those sorts of things. We, we saw a similar kind of argument happening at Manchester City at the time where Joe Hart, who was a great shot stopper, you know, really good England goalkeeper, was frozen out because Guardiola wanted a different type of player. And you can be a goalkeeper and be really good at making saves, but still be a different kind of player. And I do, yeah, I do think, I mean, I suppose the equation that you have to sort of draw in your own head is would bringing... Darlow out of the team negatively affect, affect the other players in in some way in terms of um, you know their their spirit and togetherness. If you know somehow he's being scapegoated, I don't know. I think I think Dubravka does provide reassurance for a defence. I agree with Chris. He is a leader, and the team does not have enough leaders. He's a big presence, a vocal presence, and I'm I think I think Newcastle do need that bit of a a jolt. And where can you do it? You know, where can you do it? You can't do it by bringing in a big striker, you know, into the team because that doesn't exist. You know, there are there are injury problems and fitness problems elsewhere. I think, you know, Dubravkin can, can can help set a tone. And if that's if that's all that there's left, really, apart from tactical tweaking, then I think it's something that it has to be done. Fair play. And while we're on the uh, on the topic of goalkeepers, Chris, you've uh, you've written a piece about Freddie Woodman. Yeah, so I spoke to to Freddie Woodman a couple of weeks ago over Zoom. He's on loan at the moment at Swansea City, second season there, and obviously doing very very well 
Um, Swansea are right in the promotion push. They've got a couple of games in hand, and he's kept uh, 15 clean sheets, I think it is this season. So he's been he's been excellent in that side, and he's really well liked there. And um, I spoke to him about a range of different things about Swansea and about Newcastle. And, and the first clip we're just going to hear is is basically why he was very keen to go back to Swansea and why he wanted to sign a new deal at Newcastle United in the same, at the same time. The way that the season went last year. I sort of like fell in, in love with the place, the fans, you know, the, the philosophy here. Um, I always wanted to come back and I had a lot of clubs that wanted to take me. Um, but I uh, I committed to Swansea pretty early and I, I said to the manager and, and the club that I wanted to come back here and, and I don't think anything would change my mind. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get that done and, and they shared the same view as I did as, as they wanted me back and I was made up to come back and obviously it tied in with, with me getting a, a new contract at Newcastle, which, which I was delighted with. You know, we've got a long-term future uh, uh, there with, with the contract, which is nice. So, um, yeah, it was it was a successful summer uh for myself, really, getting getting them two things sorted. Interesting point he makes there about the philosophy and about about what's going on at Swansea and and how uh, how keen he was to go back there. It's uh, it's good to hear from the young man. He's he's obviously having a good time there and his his form's been great, hasn't it, Chris? His form has been really really good, and he's he spoke. He was he was very interesting because he was talking about the sort of different styles of goalkeeping, and he spoke within the piece about how when he was at Newcastle. Rafa Benitez, who he says loves his goalkeeper, and we, we know about this, you would speak to him quite mm, regularly, yeah. and Benitez wanted him to be almost like Pepe Arena in terms of blocking more and coming out with the goal a lot more. And at Swansea, he's, he's changed style, and he's he doesn't do that as much in the way that he's been working with the coaches there. Is he, he stays higher and saves shots higher, and he says he feels more comfortable now. He wasn't having a go at Benitez. He wasn't saying, he was mm. just saying there's different styles and they work for different people, and, and he sort of developed with that. But also what was interesting in that, in that clip before is basically saying he has a long time him future at Newcastle and that is one of the things that, that Newcastle are going to have to delicately balance the next few years because we've said about how uh, Dubravka and Darlow are competing for the number one jersey at the moment well Freddie Woodman wants that at some stage and yeah. how Newcastle handle that will be interesting to see but he did speak about his desire to, to one day really wear that shirt a lot more regularly as well Yes, obviously, like I have to pinch myself to, 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 to think that I played for like Newcastle United, it's such a it is a massive club. Like growing up, it was always one of them clubs where I was like, oh, that's, that's big. And you know, watching like goal and, you know, playing FIFA or whatever and being Newcastle, it was always like a massive thing. So I always have to like think to myself, well, like take a step back. You know, you play for, for, for a massive club. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, you know, really happy and to, to, to play them games. But, you know, deep down, I, I, I feel like I want to, that play more, you know. I I see um, Darlow doing really well now, and I obviously watch Martin play for Newcastle and Tim Krull play, Steve Harper, all these goalies that have managed to play like a number of games for Newcastle. And I think myself, and I'd love to to be able to to, to do that and to, to be able to you know go out and play in front of fifty two thousand and you know such a such a massive club with the fan base, and that. it'd be it'd be great to to, to rack up the games and and and, and play. You know, and try and get three points for for that sort of football club, um, which which would be amazing. So yeah, you know, I look back and think, yeah, brilliant that I've managed to play for you know such a big club, but almost like, come on, I want to I want to get more games under my belt. He sounds like a very determined and ambitious young man, doesn't he? And obviously, he's uh, he's had his dealings with the England team as well, the under twenties. He's uh, uh, represented England at a under twenty World Cup to great success as well, hasn't he, Chris? He has a, one of the things he said in in the piece is that some of his teammates say that he's uh, the youngest journeyman ever in football because he's he, he's only twenty three and yet he's been to to six different clubs. He's been up to Aberdeen on loan. He's been across to to Swansea. He's been down to Crawley and. But there was a there was a period where he just did not play football, and when he he got really frustrated, he admitted he said I got really frustrated at Newcastle and that was just after he came back from having he won the the, the under 20 World Cup with England in 2017 and he came back to Newcastle and just basically whereas other players were going to other clubs and were playing regularly nothing happened for him and so yeah he spoke about his frustration at that point we come back from winning the World Cup with England and uh, I remember seeing Rafa and he slapped me in the face and he said well done and that was it. Nothing else got spoke about. And I remember seeing all these other players go back to Everton and you know, Tottenham and Chelsea. And there was all these big things saying, you know, like World Cup winners, like done so well. And 
Yeah, Newcastle, uh, me and Arm were like, like we didn't really, we, we haven't really had any of this. We got a slap on the face and a well done, that was it. And yeah, and then I, yeah, nothing really happened for me. I didn't even, I can't even remember what happened. I, I, didn't, I didn't go on loan. I wasn't on a bench. I just remember just thinking like, how can I go from the, 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 the golden glove and like, wow, like, you know, I can't get much better than that to playing in the 23s. Like, I remember just absolutely, you know, fuming and maybe I probably didn't have my head screwed on as, as much as like I should have. Um, probably thought, you know, maybe I was bigger than what I was, but um, yeah, it'd have been nice to have, uh, it'd have been a nice to have got something more than a, than a slap and a well done. That is the most Benitez story I think I've ever heard, by the way, too. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. Yeah. It sort of shows, I think, Freddie Woodman's personality and that he is fiercely determined. And early in the season, I did a piece with uh, my colleague Stu James about Freddie Woodman his sort of rise. And Stu James spoke to, to, to his father, uh, Andy, who was obviously at Newcastle United as a coach right, at yeah. one stage. And he said that he's never met someone as fiercely determined to succeed as his own son. Yeah. And that he was he would he would stop at nothing to try and get to that goal. And so that's where there's this difficult balance in Akron Newcastle. They've got an embarrassment of riches in goal. And it is an area, even throughout the Mike Ashley era, where they have regularly had a lot of goalkeepers. But you just wonder how are they going to balance that going forward? How are they going to make sure that if Freddie Woodman is going to be potentially in England number one, as, he, as he's been potentially pinpointed as for so long, how are they going to make it so that that pathway actually happens? Because they've got Dubravko and Darlow to bounce as well. It's an interesting thing too about the way Newcastle sort of treat their younger players in terms of, you know, in terms of loans and in terms of their future, in terms of what they should be doing, that quite often that pathway has not been clear. And the reason for that is there's just been far too much short-termism that, that managers with, from... Benitez to, to others as well have kind of panicked because they may not have enough uh, backup, so they're reluctant then to lose players. But there should be this, you know, they should have a clear plan with their young players about how they develop and to use that pathway word again, you know, what what is the pathway in terms of their careers? And obviously, sometimes it doesn't work out because some sometimes those players don't fulfil their potential or perhaps they'll fulfil their potential late on. I mean, it's interesting now looking at Armstrong and Ivan Tony, who's obviously banging the goals in for Brentford and looks a completely different player. Sometimes it just doesn't work out for lots of different reasons. But, you know, the, the really seeing the way that, that Woodman has played and, you know, it's not often that Newcastle have a World Cup winner in their ranks and um, at whatever level. And then seeing how he's playing for Swansea, it should be sort of uppermost in people's thoughts about where you know what the next step is for him, whether it's another loan, whether it's coming in and seeing what it's like on the bench at Newcastle, and I just don't think those strategic decisions have been taken historically. And it's no fault of the player. Sometimes it's no fault of the coach or the manager. They're having to sort of shore things up short term, but there has to be a, a kind of a far more holistic approach to to player development. Yeah, I mean, you worry, don't you, that, that it could uh, it could get to the point where Freddie sees his future aligned somewhere else apart from Newcastle, and he could uh, he could try and, and push a move to another club. But he does seem to have a bit of a connection to the area, though, doesn't he, Chris? And he he, he seems to sort of appreciate the northeast and uh, appreciate the fans and the club itself. Um, and I don't know if you got that impression as well from talking to him, but he definitely seems to have a, a, an affinity for the place. Oh, he definitely. He loves he loves the club, and he keeps he talks about it in that in that clip earlier about how he used to watch him on goal. I mean, I still find it staggering how many f- footballers reference that, but also um, <laughs> they used to play with the FIFA and just how how huge the football club is. I mean, one interesting thing that I did speak to him about outside of football, and he's very interested talking about other elements, was that since he's gone to Swansea, I felt it was my uh, duty as someone who lives in the northeast to speak to him about how he admitted that he'd never been to the coast. No, I will. I will. Do you know what? It's so silly for me because you know when I when I'm in Newcastle, I sort of changed as a person coming down here. When I'm in Newcastle, when I was in Newcastle, I was a, I was a bit young and a bit of a lad, and you know didn't you know I, I didn't really go outside Newcastle. Uh, I lived in the city centre, and that was it. Didn't have anything. Um, so yeah, but Rob Elliott used to live on the yeah. coast, didn't he? He used to live out there, and he always used to tell me like, "Oh, it's lovely, it's lovely." I'm thinking, "Nah, it's a bit cold for me. That like, it can't be that good." And so I never ended up like going out that way. Um, I should have, to be fair, gone to Tymouth, and people tell me it's amazing and stuff. But I come down here, and, and my house. I'm lucky. I live like two minutes from the beach. Um, 
And I went down there one day and I was like, this is nice. And then people started telling me to go to different ones, different ones, and I started going. And I, I love it now, I love it. And I, to be fair, I can't wait to go back to Newcastle and check them all out because I have seen loads of people saying to me, like, how come you've never been here, here, here? And I just, it never crossed my brain to go, do you know? I never had, like, a choice to go. I, I didn't have a reason to go. So I ended up never going. And to be fair, I will once I go back, Timeless is, is the one. I look forward to seeing Freddie Woodman drunk on King Eddie's beach at some point on a bank holiday weekend. That sounds that sounds like great how's fun. Never, that? How's he never been to the coast? Forget <laughs> what I just said about being a pathway to the first team. I, I, okay. Well, you know, George, some of us aren't coastal animals. I mean, I am, but... I'm He's never sat on the Freddy's beach not. and drank cans with a 99. You mix an ice cream with a can. Yeah, you mix anything with a can, don't you? Shove a flake in a can <laughs> and, and sit on the beach. We're not allowed to talk about cans, come on. No, let's move on. I want to say, no, no, I want to point people to the actual interview on The Athletic as well, because it's a lovely interview by Chris. Really get a sense of Freddie Woodman's personality. And um, it's great that Newcastle have got this talented player who, you know, is desperate to make an impact at the club. So hopefully that that works. But yeah, no, I'd recommend people read it because it's a beautiful piece. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well then, ladies and gents, before we finish up for today, uh, let's get back to the great Newcastle United pub quiz with your host this week, uh, Private Christopher Ignatius Waffles, to give him his full uh, military title. Chris... What you got for us this week? Well, pubs are apparently a thing of the not too distant future. Do you remember those? Do you remember pubs? Don't know what you're talking about, Chris. No. No. Oh, well, picture the scene. Okay. We're in the beer garden at the back of the Bridge Hotel, next to the High Level Bridge. Been, the sun is being. Whoa, 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 whoa! No, we, no, we haven't. No, no, we, we haven't. haven't. George, we were no, the we haven't. Tavern. No, we haven't. We really haven't. We've been to the, we've been to the Bridge Tavern. <laughs> All right. Calm thyself, Colin. <laughs> I thought this I was going to. I thought this was going to be an early. Yeah, I could tell. I thought this was going to be an early way of getting out of this, but no, you're right. <laughs> I knew he was going to do this. I'm going to have to shut up. <laughs> right. So, so we are back now in the Bridge Hotel in the Beer Garden. <laughs> All right. The sun is baking down, and we are overlooking the River Tyne below. We're halfway through our attempts to sample every ale available for the ham pumps. There are empty bacon and scampi fries packets wedged into Ooh. the gaps in the table, Ooh. and we're all pretty tipsy. Sounds good. And given this is the first time we've been able to drink with other human beings and God knows how long, it's bloody brilliant as well. But but, uh, anyway, now it is quiz time. (laughs) Now we're going to spoil that. Yes, now we're going to spoil that. So round one. one. The pre-COVID ball round. Oh, what? For this round, it's going to be the first person to answer or the first person to speak. If they get it wrong, then the other will have the opportunity to claim the point. So there's only one question in this round. 
If Boris Johnson's rule back to freedom, whatever the heck that means, goes according to plan, then thousands of Fulham supporters may be present for what could be a final day showdown between Newcastle and Fulham at Craven Cottage. Sorry to remind everyone about that again. Alan Saint-Maximan was the last Newcastle United player to score in front of fans before coronavirus restrictions prevented fans from attending Premier League matches last March, some 353 days ago. But who was the... Who was the last Newcastle United mm-hmm. player to score in front of fans at St. James's Park? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Callum Wilson. Do I just Incorrect. keep guessing? Do I keep... Do we just keep... Um, no, 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 no. Taylor now gets time. Miguel Almiron. No. Oh. You each get one more guess. Oh. <sighs> this, isn't, um, this isn't knowledge. This is just memory. So is it my turn now? Yes, it is. So, hang on. So, who's, so what is the question? Who was the last... Newcastle players. Newcastle players to score in front of fans at St. James's Park. St. James's Park. So we've said Wilson, we've said Almiron. Nobody else scores. Um, no, that's John Joe true. Shelby. John Joe Shelby. No, both turn. of you get both mm. of you get nothing for this round. It was no, Isaac Hayden who George has actually written about and wrote about that goal and about how it was the Chris, last goal score. How many times do I have to tell you? I cannot remember anything that's <laughs> happened to either me or anybody else. And quite frankly, I don't care. So it's oh, really, why do you insist on asking me questions week after week after week? Kind of the point of the response is like this. So it was, it was 402 days ago, right. which was the 94th minute winner against Chelsea in a 1-0 victory because they didn't score for a few games at St. James's Park before the end. So yes, neither of you get a point for that round. Yeah, I have interviewed I have interviewed Isaac Hayden about that. It's good. Go and read that interview. Yes. It's good. <laughs> it was a very good interview. So I'll please do read go and read that. Yeah, I'm going to read it. Right. Round two. The spelling round. Oh, piss off, Chris. <laughs> Come on, Chris. <laughs> yes, right. Chris, if you ask me to spell Nicky Papavastel, you, I'm going to I'm gonna come and find you. And <laughs> what is now? You. <laughs> well, funny you should ask that, Taylor, <laughs> because for completely random reasons, just because I realised last week I could not actually spell his name myself, I would like you to spell that name, but I actually oh, want the joke. full first name. Nicodemus... Papa Vassalou, I want you. I want you to name that uh, to spell that for me, Taylor. And you will only get a mark if it is exactly correct. Nicodemus Papa Vassili, Papa Vassiliou, isn't it? Not Papa Vassalou. It's Papa Vassiliou. I'm not giving you any more clues. We should be tell you what we should be doing this on camera because I bet he's looking that up on on Google. <laughs> no, I'm a, honestly, George, mate, spelling I'm is, have to is rush not you, my Taylor. strongest suit. Okay, uh, Nicodemus N I K O. Uh, yes. D I M O S. Yes, first name correct. Jesus. No, but that's Half the easy a point. Bit, isn't it? Let's be honest. Papa Vasiliu. P A P A V A S I L. God. I O U. Correct. Correct. Oh, yes, indeed. Such a cheat. So that's one nil to Taylor. So George, this week marked the eighth anniversary of the great Shoram Yobi scoring the only goal of the UEFA Cup round. Oh, you have his first name, aren't you? No, no. How to spell his... Between Newcastle and stop, oh. stop interrupting the question. So he scored against metalist Kharkiv. The Fenemy Sabio strike set up a last sixteen tie with Russian <laughs> club Anzi Makachkala. Please spell out Anzi Makachkala. Oh come on. <laughs> That's what's this got? Why do you? It's got nothing to do with Newcastle. Angie, you should be able to spell the name of this. Yeah, I think Angie I should. Yeah, I think I might know this. Okay, so and and it's not Angie. It's Anzi. A N Z I H I. I'm actually going to have to write. Say that again. Sorry. A N Z H I. Yes. Do you know what I'm going to have to do? I have to find a pen. I can't do I can't do this without writing it down. Um, right, okay. So Angie Makach, how do you pronounce it? And it's Angie Makachkala, isn't it? Right. M A K H A C H. Oh, this is gold audio. This isn't it? K A L A. Correct. Oh, okay. I should win spelling. I should. I shouldn't be going behind on the spelling. Cheat! He's cheated there. He's cheated for that one, hasn't oh, he, Chris? Cheat! cheat. cheat. Bloody cheater! I think you're both cheaters. But anyway, one, one's each. One's mm. each. So round three. 
the Steve mm. McLaren round. Oh, God. <laughs> God. Yeah. So, so we're going to flip this. So George is going to go first in this round. So his name has unfortunately been off repeated in recent weeks as many draw comparisons between Steve Bruce's pronouncements right now and those of Steve McLaren during the final throws of his Newcastle tenure in 2015-16. But of his 28 Premier League matches as Newcastle head coach, is how many games did McLaren actually win? Oh, it felt like more, Was didn't it, it A, 5, B, 6 or C, 7? So this is league matches. League matches, 28 Premier League matches. A5, B6, C7. Um, Come on, George. I'm trying to think of cup games. I can't think. Got to rush you. Yeah, all right. I don't think it was seven. It might have been seven overall. Um, Five. Incorrect. B6. Damn it. Chris, can you read my Steve McLaren question in Steve McLaren's Dutch accent, please? <laughs> and if the answer isn't yes, then I'm going to be very upset. Uh, well, you've already answered the question yourself, so I'm going to move on. So, so Taylor, your question. Perhaps the closest thing to mitigation that McLaren could cite in his own defence would be the striker situation at Newcastle during his time. In the summer of 2015, he wanted an experienced striker and Newcastle signed 20-year-old Alexander Mitrovic. Then in January 2016, Newcastle spent the entire window courting Saido Berahino, but did not sign him. Instead, they signed Sadio Dumbia on loan on deadline day. But how many first-team appearances did Dumbia make for Newcastle? Was it A1, B2 or C3? How many first-team appearances did Sadio Dumbia make for Newcastle? B2. One, two, or three. Incorrect. Tough. Oh, three. Made a 20-minute sub appearance at Chelsea, six-minute appearance at Stoke City, and three minutes in Benitez's first game against Leicester City. So that's 1-1, and we go into the tie break. Well, I've dragged him down to my level. That's that's good. Again, I'm looking for the fastest answer first here, or closest (sighs) to, if nobody gets it spot on. So thanks to Steve Bruce for repeatedly stating that it's all about the accumulation of points. I think I've just about grasped the concept of how a table works. But how many league points collectively has Bruce accumulated over his two seasons as Newcastle head coach? Oh, wow. Oh, God. Um, oh, I don't know. 63. Um, 68. So Taylor wins at 69, oh. 44 last season, 25. Yes! Get in. Oh, Come on. Undefeated. Yes. I am what is the score? Sorry, as, as, has he got four point four four wins? I think he is, yeah. yeah I think he one does. to me and one to you. Yeah, this it's is pretty outrageous. embarrassing. Scenes. I mean, lads, to cover this club, but... professional journalists, you really need to up your game. I'm afraid. Yeah, this is this is just it's becoming I've embarrassing. Never, never said that I'm a professional journalist. I'm as just, a journalist, I'm a, I'm a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> it is becoming an embarrassment, lads. I'll, it I'll is an embarrassment. It is. Well, there you go. Chris, thank you for that quiz. That was lovely, Chris. Especially the Steve McLaren round. I wasn't expecting wasn't that. Lovely. lovely stuff. Wasn't lovely. <laughs> Rubbish. Oh, you'll have another go next week, George, when I'm in charge. I'll give you all the easy questions. This accumulation of points isn't going very well for me on this quiz. It's certainly not. It's certainly not. Right then, I think it's time to wrap up, chaps. What do we think? Yes. Oh, it's long yeah. since gone beyond that point, yeah. Oh, it absolutely has. Um, speaking of quizzes, anyway, just before we go, um, the Athletic NUFC Zoom quiz, we'll give that a quick plug. Uh, with the help of our friends at Postate Cancer UK, the Athletic are putting on 31 football quizzes across February and March to find our most knowledgeable subscriber and, of course, to raise money for a very important cause. Prostate Cancer UK help fund life-saving research and provide valuable support and information for men and their partners affected or worried about prostate cancer. And we'll be encouraging you to donate money on the night for a great cause. We'll be running a quiz for every team we cover and the winners of each quiz will go through to a grand final at the end of March where there's a very nice £1,000 up for grabs and we'll match this with a donation to Prostate Cancer UK. Your hosts for the Newcastle United quiz will be none other than George Cockin and Chris Woff and we know how much you lads love a quiz. Uh, you're looking forward to that, chaps. That should be a good night. I am, but if anyone doesn't like any of the questions, then it's George's fault. Are you guys writing the questions as well? Yeah. We have written oh, the questions, yeah. It's going to be an yeah. absolute shit show. Well, there's no guarantee that any of them are correct. That's the problem. I'm just thinking what I would do with a thousand quid right now, and the answer is absolutely nothing because you can't spend money on anything, can you? 
very good point. Thanks. Sign up uh, for a 30-day free trial uh, with The Athletic at theathletic.com forward slash PCUK and register to play the quiz. That's theathletic.com forward slash PCUK. Well, let's wrap things up, chaps. Thanks very much for your time. Thank You're you. so incredibly welcome. Looking forward to another red letter week in the history of Newcastle United. Absolutely. And fingers crossed we shall all be joining each other in that pub beer garden somewhere very soon and of course thanks to all of you for listening out there and remember to hit subscribe so that you don't miss any shows and leave us a review and a rating if you're feeling particularly generous we'll be back next week with another pot on the time take care of yourselves bye bye The Athletic.